this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast, where you find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex, and this week you're going to hear from the author Rob Biddulph about his brand new book. We'll be checking in with a reading from J.M. Joseph, and we have got a big name here in the podcast. We're going to be chatting to actual Lemony Snicket. It's an amazing show, so let's kick it off, shall we, with that chat with Rob Biddulph. So I'm joined right now by author and illustrator Rob Biddulph. Hey, Rob, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you are a name that I've had in my in my sphere of authors for a long time, so I'm glad we finally pinned you down. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Because we should say, so you're um, you're well known as a very excellent illustrator, uh, but you've got your first kind of big fiction book coming out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? I have, yeah. It's called um, so it's called Peanut Jones and the Illustrated City. It's actually the first book in a trilogy, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited about it. It's a new world for me, this the middle grade world, because I've you know I've done lots of picture books, but um, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm uh, I'm starting again in lots of ways. So um. Yeah, I'm really excited. So it's about um, a 12-year-old girl who, um, where to start with this? Okay, she finds a pencil. And this pencil is a magic pencil because she realises that whatever she draws with this pencil, it becomes real. So if she draws an apple with it, she can pick that apple up and she could take a bite of the apple. And so one day she draws a door and she can actually touch the door handle and open the door handle. And she walks through the door and she finds herself in a totally illustrated city so everything in this city is sort of hand painted or hand drawn and there's lots of different districts in this city that are named after famous artists and you know so there's like a there's a pop art district called warholia and there's like a kind of slightly surrealist area called darley point west and then there's a comic book section so it's a really nice um world for us to kind of set this um adventure story in well there's lots of there's lots of different threads to the story but mainly she wants to find her dad yeah so her dad has been missing for a year or so and she suspects that her dad might be somewhere in this illustrated city so yeah hopefully it's um it's a bit of a kind of rip roaring um uh an enjoyable quite funny um uh adventure story so yeah i hope people like it Oh man, I'm sure they will. I mean, it's quite exciting to be, be able to sneak in your favourite artists in there as well, because I haven't seen many other books who uh, who managed to do that. Was there one in particular that you were desperate to get in there? Um, well, I'm really, I'm really excited. Actually, there's not the the Dali. There's a there's an area of the city called Dali Point West, so it's a very kind of surrealist area. And actually, there's not much of the first book that's set in that particular district and I'm just writing the, the second book now so there's going to be a little bit more of it in there but that's the one that I'm really excited about um the characters kind of journeying through because you know surrealist there's no limit to kind of what you can do with it uh, in a surrealist kind of environment is there so it's going to be uh, hopefully it'll be a lot be a lot of fun so yeah yeah, when I was uh, when I was at school, actually, we did Dali, and I absolutely adored him. For some reason, I just really took it, took to him. So, yeah, very, very great, uh, great influence in the book. So, you you've got Peanut. Was it what was it like writing uh, instead of just doing the illustrating, like having to actually sit down and, and write the thing as well? Well, I do write my other books too. They're picture books, um, so I'm used to writing to a certain extent. But obviously, 
um, when you're writing a picture book, it is, you know, maybe 800 words and this is 50,000 words. So it's quite a different kind of discipline. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm a, I'm a very organized person. So I just broke, broke it down into little bite sized pieces and kind of planned each chapter at a time. So almost each chapter is, it's got its own little kind of story arc, a bit like a picture book text. And that's the way I did it. So it's more like writing sort of, you know, 50 picture book text, texts that all kind of hold string together and make up one big story. It, well, it, absolutely. And it also looks incredible as well. Like the illustrations are brilliant. Was it nice to kind of sneak in a few pictures as well? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, that's not, I mean, they, you do get when you're in the middle grade sphere, you do get illustrated books, but I don't think there's many that are illustrated quite to this extent. I guess that comes from my picture back, my picture book um, background. Because um, what you do with, in the picture books is, you know, the words tell one part of the story, but you you can also tell quite a lot more of the story in depth uh, via the pictures you know a picture paints a thousand words and all that and so it's it sort of felt natural to me to sort of treat this this novel in the same way as I do my picture books from a visual point of view so yeah there are I think there's nearly 200 illustrations in there so certainly at least one illustration for every single chapter and they're quite deep you know you know it almost killed me to be honest they're <laughs> quite detailed they're quite detailed illustrations but actually I do think they bring a lot more depth to the story and um there's lots of things to spot in there that aren't actually mentioned in the text too oh it really is it looks incredible was there one bit in particular that you enjoyed writing the most is there one kind of little uh section or storyline or something that you'd uh you'd like the listeners to look out for when my protagonists they go into um the comic the comic book um district of the city so it's called the strip and um when they they arrive in this area of the city and everyone first of all everyone's drawn they look like comic book characters everyone in the city but the the fun thing is that when they speak everything they say appears in little voice bubbles above their head so it's quite hard to kind of keep secrets in this particular district um but there's a lot of fun that you can have you can have with that so um yeah that was i think i think i really liked i i like writing that but i really like like doing the illustrations to go with that that section so yeah that's what i'd say just we should put out that um you were the creator of draw with rob last year uh that was phenomenally successful congratulations thank you yeah yeah it was a bit of a surprise the, the way that that kind of took off it's one of those things you know i uh I knew that there was going to be lots of children look, uh, well, actually, I, I knew there was going to be lots of parents looking <laughs> for things for their children to do uh, when, you know, when when the schools shut right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I thought, right, well, I can I might be able to help because, you know, I do these little draw along things at all my live events. So I thought, right, I'll just film, I'll film a couple of those and put them up online and it might keep uh, children busy for half an hour or so. And uh, yeah, I had the idea on the Sunday, recorded the first video on the Monday, put it up on the Tuesday and then I found myself on News at 10 on the Wednesday because so so many people were watching it. And I think we've had like something like 7 million views of these videos now. And I, I'm still doing them, actually. You know, a year and a half later, we've done over done over 100 of the of the draw along videos now. And, um, they're all up there for free for people to watch and draw along with me whenever they whenever they want to. And um, yeah, I love it. It's a lovely thing to see all these children Lots of children don't think they're very good at drawing, you see. And I, my, my thing is that everybody can draw. Some people just need a little bit of help with the order that we do the drawing in. So it's really lovely to see all these children proudly, you know, displaying their drawings of sausage dogs or squirrels or, you know, hippos or whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, and they're always really amazed that they've managed to produce these lovely works of art. So it's, um, it makes me feel very proud to, uh, to see that. Yeah, you've created like such a lovely community. It it was uh, quite an amazing thing to do. But to be on the news at 10, that's pretty exciting. It was, yeah, it was bizarre. It was surreal. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's obviously, it's lovely to have done 
uh, to have done something that is obviously connected with so many people. I didn't suspect in a million years that it would it would have this um impact, but um yeah, I'm I'm super proud of proud of it. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, one thing I get, they, I bet they didn't do on the news at ten was uh, a quick fire round of questions, like I have now. <laughs> they didn't. No, no. Come well, on, then. bring it that's on. What they, Let's that's see. What they're missing out on. You see, that's what they should be doing. Yeah. That's, that's, so first up is uh, pretty simple: books or Kindles. Oh, uh, well, books all the way. Books, especially you know, my books. My books are so dependent on um, you know, the illustration, the illustrations in them. I don't, can you have kin- uh, illustrations on a Kindle? I don't know. Maybe you can these days, but I think you know, there's nothing like having a physical book and turning that page to see what happens next. I entirely agree. Uh, next up is heroes or villains. Oh, well, I like, you know, when I, I think when I'm reading, I, I'm a hero person. I like, I like heroes, but when I'm writing, villains are such fun to write. They're so much more fun to write than the heroes. So yeah, it's a kind of split decision there. Am I allowed a split decision? I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, okay. I'm pretty lax with this. That's okay. Uh, next up is pen- pencils, crayons or felt-tip pens. <sighs> Oh, this is tough. This is tough. (laughs) Well, if I had to choose one, I would pick, I would pick pencils. I'd have to pick a pencil, you know, not, not just because there's a, there's a magical pencil in, in my new, in my new book, Mm. but because I think with a pencil, you can get, you know, when I'm drawing with a pencil, I can get the most variety out of a pencil. You know, I can do really nice kind of subtle shaded drawings or I can be quite kind of graphic. And I think it's a bit more difficult with the other, the other two to to do that. So I'm going to go with pencil. Uh, do you prefer writing or reading? Um, well, reading is a lot easier than writing. I'll tell <laughs> you that. I'll tell you that much. Um, so I probably prefer. I probably prefer reading. Although once 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 the story in the book is written, it is a, I, I you know it's, some, it's something that I feel very proud of. So um, after the writing is done, I would say I prefer the writing, <laughs> but during it, it's quite difficult. So uh, yeah, reading. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've never had that reason for the answer before but i'm a big fan of it. Uh, uh, next up hogwarts or narnia oh my gosh this does not get any easier um <laughs> no, well yeah, right. Nar- Nar- narnia a big part of my childhood you know the lion the witch in the wardrobe was my favorite book i think growing up um but i have i have a very a very close relationship with hogwarts not only because i read the books myself um, when they first came out but i've read them all to my to my children and we've watched the films and everything since so i think i will plump for hogwarts hogwarts for the nostalgia good choice yeah. uh warhol or dali Ooh. that's so tricky again um <laughs> all right we're gonna go with we're gonna go with we're gonna go with dali because of what i said earlier about the fact that i'm really looking forward to writing the part of the book where they visit the uh the dali district of the city uh, excellent. Do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy? No, I'm quite organized. I write nine to five pretty much. So yeah, I wow. try and keep, I try, I try and keep business hours as best I can. But um, that's, that being said, I'm one of these people like last thing at night, um, I tend to look at what I've written and sort of make quick edits lasting literally just before I go to sleep, sometimes even lying in bed, like looking at my laptop. Um, so I do the bulk of the work nine to five, but then I do it. There's a little bit of extra cur- curricular stuff, sort of tweaking and editing here and there. So um, a little bit of both. Oh my goodness! You're one of very few authors who's who's kept a nine to five, according to my uh, <laughs> quiz here. You are a rare breed. Uh, do you prefer Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Paddington. I'm going to go with Paddington. 
Um, I uh, am very, very lucky that I got to meet Michael Bond. Um, and I've actually illustrated another one of his books. He wrote um, a series of books about a character called Parsley the Lion. And I have just, just last year, I think it was, I uh, illustrated um, a new collection of Parsley the Lion stories. So I'm um, out of loyalty to Michael Bond. I'm going to go with Paddington. Oh, good answer. Uh, and finally, the last one is salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, that's see, you finish with the easy one. Salt and vinegar all day long. It's easily Thank the you. best. It's easily the best flavour of crisp. No question. Well, that's correct. But you'd be surprised how many people say cheese and onion and I have to cut off the interview immediately. because I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, Well, I'm not surprised you leave that question to the end because, yeah, you'd have to cut them off straight away. There's no there's yeah. no there's no doubt about that. If I started with that, a lot of authors wouldn't get past the first uh, first question, to be honest. No. Um, but you did, Rob. Thank you so much. You got the right answer. Yay! <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, so, Rob, I believe, is it the 2nd of September your book is out? It's 2nd of September, available from anywhere you get your books, but you should support your local bookshop. I need to say that. <laughs> oh, you really should. Uh, so, Peanut Jones and the Illustrated City is coming out soon. Look out for it. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for chatting to us. Oh, thank you, Bex. It's lovely to speak to you. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much to Rob for popping by the Bookworms podcast. Uh, Next up, I think we need a little reading, don't we? Let's find out what's happening in J.M. Joseph's brand new book. Right, hi, my name is J.M. Joseph and I have the start of Pants on Fire, which is the sequel to Fireboy. And just like Fireboy, it begins with a quiz. Now, it's kind of a strange way to start a book, but what can I say? I work in schools and I thought it was a kind of a nice way of starting it off by addressing the reader. So this is how Pants on Fire starts. A quiz. One, a theatre producer flies to London to see you. He claims he would take you to America and make you the most famous circus star in the world. Do you A, hop wildly about the room and shout, yes, 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 or B, decline, explain that you must stay in school because your education is more important? If you'd answered A, proceed to the next question. If you answered B, stop pretending. We both know the correct answer is A. Two, before you leave London, an MI5 agent revisits. He warns you that a shape-shifting, shape-shifting supervillain is at large and poses a threat to you and your friends. Do you A. Ignore his advice? Supervillains exist only in Bond films and comic books. Why worry? Or B. Cancel the trip to America. It's better to be safe than sorry, especially if your friends are involved. If you'd answered A, proceed to the last question. If you answered B, are you mad? Pass up an all-expense-paid three-month holiday of a lifetime in New York? The correct answer is A. 3. While in New York, you discover that the richest man in the world plans to clone the ancient Incan potion, which gives you superpowers and use it to live forever. Do you A. Panic, run about madly in circles and plunge headfirst into trouble? Or B. Overcome your fears and work together with your mates to make the world a better place, whatever the cost? Surprise! Both A and B are right. You can't go wrong on this one. My name is Aidan Sweeney. Yes, Fireboy himself, and I'm back. So buckle up, friend, and take a deep breath before you turn the page. My latest sizzling adventure is here, and it is red hot. That's the start to my pants and fire, and I really hope you enjoy it. Now it's time 
for a pretty big deal. Uh, this week I chatted to a little representative for Lemony Snicket. You may know Lemony Snicket as the author of a series of unfortunate events. Well, there's a brand new Lemony book out called Poison for Breakfast, and this is my chat all about it. I am joined right now by author Daniel Handler. How are you doing, Daniel? I can't complain. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've looked out the window and the sun has just popped its head out of a cloud, so that's always a good sign. Uh, what's it like where you are? Um, there are no clouds in the sky. The sun is beating down relentlessly against all of the citizens here. Where are you in the world? Uh, I'm in California, in the United States. Oh, how dreamy. Oh my goodness. I'm in grey London, which is... Uh, a lot less glamorous than California. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry that we've declared our independence and that um, we have to live <laughs> in separate nations now. That's really been a drag, I think, we're all concerned. That's the way it goes. Hey, look, it's the new world we live in. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. I have just read uh, Lemony Snicket's Poison for Breakfast. And I... That's kind of you. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. I was on such a journey. It was... I'd, I've rarely read a book that's made me think so much. Um which sounds like a massive uh, slam on every other book I've read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or just on this one. It really depends if you enjoy thinking. Oh, I quite, I quite enjoy thinking. It does also make it sound like I don't read that many books. I promise I do. Um, so can you tell us about Poison for Breakfast? Because it is, it's a bit of a gem. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I would say Poison for Breakfast is about uh, Lemony Snicket himself uh, receiving news that he's had Poison for Breakfast and deciding uh, quickly and uh, frantically to try to solve his own upcoming murder. Um, he uh, traces each item in his breakfast, uh, and it leads him on a journey that is both logistical and, I guess I would say, philosophical. Mm. Uh, stopping to ponder um, all sorts of things about literature and life, and um, reaching conclusions that are either dreadful or inspiring, I guess, depending on your point of view. <laughs> How did you feel at the end of it? Were you emotionally wrought? Uh, you know what? I was, it was one of those ones where I had to just take a second and look to the side and be like, oh my goodness, what do I think of this? What has he done to me? Because it does, it does make you think like, because you, um, you put in so many references to, uh, to films and books, like so many things in there that I didn't know about. Um, I feel like not only have I read a book that's opened up my world, uh, it's also, kind of added extra kind of cultural influences as well, which is quite quite exciting, really. That's how I felt, I think. Uh, I'm glad that's, um, that's quite the charming review. Yeah, I think um, many, uh, as you say, there's some films and songs and other stories and other books that are tucked in there. And I mean, the Snicket books have always had a number of, uh, of such references, but, he, uh, but it goes pretty deep, I guess one would say, into those. And I always think that... Um, you can learn so much about a person when they start giving you things to watch and look at and listen to and read. Um, so I think people who are interested in what Lemony Snicket might do if they sat down to lunch will uh, will find out. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we should mention uh, people might know Lemony Snicket from a series of unfortunate events, of course. Just have to throw that in there because that's, you know, pretty big deal. But this seems like... Uh, yes, that's true. They may have already been depressed by him by reading about three orphans to whom terrible things happen over and over again. He also has a series called All the Wrong Questions in which terrible things happen to Lemony Snicket when he was a child. And now this book has terrible things happening to him when he, there's an adult. You may see a pattern there. The discerning reader might see a pattern. Well, he's basically written his own kind of possible murder mystery, hasn't he here? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think most of us uh, realize that we're going to die someday. I haven't realized this yet, but I hear that a lot of people realize it. And then they spend a lot of time thinking about their own doom and their own demise, which is something of a mystery. So he is trying to solve his own murder, but maybe also the mystery of why all of our uh, times on this planet are limited. I really enjoyed following him around in his day and in his thoughts as well. It felt like I was kind of in conversation with someone or following a monologue. Um, <laughs> That's, it sounded a little think- more sinister to me. I really enjoyed following him around. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many authors you've said that about. If it's too many, we may have to call the authorities. Every author who comes here, I tell them I followed you. And I say it in that tone and it freaks them out entirely. (laughs) (laughs) And you're, you're still gainfully employed interviewing authors. That's interesting to me. It is shocking. It absolutely shocking. They've kept me on this long to be honest, but Hey, look, I'm making a living out of this. No, no, no. Of course I would hate for for you to be cast out on the street when you're already spending so much time there following authors around. Just, I just want to know what they're up to. Basically. I'm a very, very nosy person. I can't help myself. Uh, Yes. Um, Curiosity, the source of all sinister surveillance. (laughs) And uh, libraries feature quite heavily in the book as well. I guess libraries are pretty important. Yeah, they're the thing I've certainly missed the most um, during these pandemic days. And uh, most of Poison for Breakfast was written uh, in a couple of libraries. Um, I really like going and sitting at a table myself when other people are sitting next to me working on other things and you feel the uh, public uh, access and the private possibilities of literature all coming together at once. That's a powerful feeling. I like that. A bit like Lemony mentions in the book when he sat down for breakfast and he has a book next to him, uh, not necessarily reading it, just having it as a kind of companion. That's what I do in libraries with books. I just sit there and just look around and don't really do anything. Yeah, well, the nice thing about being an author is that that counts as working. Maybe I should be an author. Uh, Yeah, I think when you get tired of following people in the street for a living, you might want to go into a building and just (laughs) sit next to a book. It's it's a nice living as well. Um, I did enjoy the references in the book. Um, Is there one in particular that that you reckon is is quite important or your favourite? Um, well, I mean, that one that you mentioned, Midnight, is pretty important. Um, it is a kind of a retelling of Cinderella in a way, but it is about a woman and mysterious things keep happening to her. And she only slowly realizes that she's part of a, a large, a ridiculous plot. Um, so that's a movie that I find very charming. Uh, also, the book talks about Corla Pandit, who was a mysterious uh, musician that I experienced when I was a child. Um, his origins were for many years shrouded in mystery. And when they were revealed, they were um, kind of melancholy and complicated. So that's interesting to me, too. I mean, also in the book, there's a lot of ways to eat an egg. And that particular section of the book uh, I was very interested in because I, I've i never read so many lovely descriptive ways of how to uh, cook an egg in so many different forms basically it was incredible uh well thank you yeah um it's a very opinionated section of the book Mm. um already even though the book has just scarcely been published i've already received some outraged correspondence from people who are fans of scrambled eggs and who are very angry uh at the slight insult that has given scrambled eggs in the book i don't know how you feel about that i don't know if we want to get into such a raging controversy as how (laughs) one likes one's eggs but certainly it's been pretty powerful it's a big deal. Uh, scrambled eggs, I am, um, I'll get told off for this by people listening, but I tend to cook them in a microwave because my dad taught me to oh <laughs> cook my them goodness. in a mug, wow. which is awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry you were so mistreated. I think had we known earlier, we would have gotten you out of that family. 
I know, right? I mean, that's that's pretty cruel to teach me. The only way I can make scrambled eggs, one of I think something that's most delicious, one of the most delicious ways to have an egg is by uh, whacking it in a microwave with some milk and butter and hoping for the best. Not not ideal. Well, I think hoping for the best is an essential thing when you're making eggs, but the rest <laughs> of it sounds like garbage, quite frankly. <laughs> he also taught me how to poach an egg, which you say the poached egg is the is the best way of um of eating an egg um, without vinegar. So that's pretty good, right? I, I mean, I got, you know, there's, I think now that you're beginning to realize just how shabbily you were raised, I think we can make <laughs> excellent progress together and teach you to become the sort of person that makes eggs properly and who doesn't follow uh, authors in the street. I think we're really going to make progress with you. I love it. I feel like this is a therapy session. I think I needed to hear this. Uh, I'm so um, glad. I think I needed to tell you. So I, I think we're <laughs> Now, with every person who comes on Fun Kids, we have a little quick fire round of questions, every author, okay. um, after I finished following them in the street. Um, and I wondered whether I could ask you them on behalf of yourself and Lemony, if that's okay. Absolutely. All right. So first up is books or Kindles? Books. Oh, that was incredible. Every author says the same thing. Uh, heroes or villains? Hmm. I mean, I assume we mean in literature. In literature, I would say villains. In life, I would say ordinary people. Neither heroes nor villains. But in literature, the villains, for sure. Okay. Oh, good answer. Um, this one, given what we've just talked about, might be interesting. Boiled or fried eggs? Everyone knows that a boiled egg is better. Well, that is, I think that might be the most controversial thing you've said so far, but okay. Sure. Um, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Hmm. Of what, I guess? Of anything your heart desires. What do you anything think my heart desires. Uh, I think I would take my chances with a film adaptation because at least it would be shorter. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, writing or reading? Oh, that is a terrible thing. <laughs> I can't say all of the above. Well, you asked me to answer for Lemony and for myself, and so I can say one of us likes writing better and one of us likes reading better, and then I can finally get away with doing it. Oh my goodness, that is a very canny answer you've given me there. Uh, Hogwarts or Narnia? Um, I would have to say a sequence of secret underground tunnels underneath Paris in 1920. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll give you that. Right. First person to ever say that. Um, a laptop or write by hand? Oh, uh, by hand, all the way. Legal pads, uniball pens. Wow, is it not really tiring? Um, it is, but um, you can make people feel uh, very sorry for you when you meet them in the evening and you say, I am exhausted. I've been making things up on a legal pad all day and my hand is slightly sore. Um, do you do you know uh, whether Lemony writes nine to five or whenever and wherever? Um, I think nine to five. I think the evening is for socializing and reading. And just telling people how, how sore your hands are, I guess. From all yeah, right. exactly. Bragging is yeah. what I mean by yeah, socializing, really. Yeah, yeah, bragging rights. And finally, I don't know whether this translates into uh, American sensibilities, but I will ask. Um, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? We're talking about, uh, um, I was going to say chips, but, but I think I have to say crisps, <laughs> right? We're Correct, talking about yes. crisps. Very kind of you. Yes, yes, you translated it for me. Um, salt and vinegar, obviously. Yes, that's the right answer. Of yes, course thank it you. Is. Everyone knows that. I You'd think people feel sorry for the other kind sometimes, so they feel they have to talk it up. 
you know, I, um, you could have said anything you wanted for those questions, uh, but that's the one I care about the most. That's it. <laughs> that's very touching because you seem so unstable that I don't want to anger you. You were raised poorly. You follow authors of the street. And now, thank goodness, by uttering the words salt and vinegar, I managed to calm you down and escape with my life. Well, you said salt and vinegar. Uh, thank you. And then therefore you win at life. Uh, thank you so much uh, for telling us about the new Lemony Snicket book, Poison for Breakfast. I believe it's out in the UK. Um, is it the 2nd of September, is that right? Uh, I do believe that is correct, yes. Brilliant stuff. So everybody should hopefully look out for it. And um, and thank you so much for talking to us, Daniel. Uh, well, thank you for knocking on my door. It was a pleasure to be followed <laughs> by you. What a show it's been. Thank you so much to Rob Biddulph, to J.M. Joseph, and to Lemony Snicket and Daniel Handler as well. I have absolutely loved this episode of Bookworms. And if you've loved Bookworms as well, remember, we're doing a live show at the Underbelly Festival. Yes, that's right. We're taking the podcast on the road. And you can come and meet me in person. You can see me chat to amazing authors and illustrators like Stephen Lenton. And we've got a few other tricks up our sleeve as well. If you want to grab yourself a ticket, uh, go to funkidslive.com to find out more. But in the meantime, that is all from me. Remember to like, follow and subscribe to this show wherever it is you get your podcast from. And I'll see you soon. Bye.